You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. With the baby crying in the background, it's perfect. Yes. I'm all oh, buddy. Um, do you mind him crying? No. Buddy, Nathaniel. And my buddy. son is named Nathan, so. Really? Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> Nathaniel, come here. You want to hear some of Mama's book? Hi, buddy. Come here, buddy. You want to sit with me? You want to read a book? What happened? What happened? Come here, love. What happened, sweetheart? Okay, uh-oh. All right. You know what they say, never work with kids or animals. You're going to live to regret going, I want it to be ambient. Come here. You want me to read to you? You want to hear some of Mama's book? Okay. Listen, this is about Nancy O'Dell. What could possibly be the matter? I'm sorry. Come here, honey. Come I know. I know. It's all different. I know. Okay. The little end of the day meltdown. Uh, you want to take him at the park. This time he runs around. Swear he's going to be good as soon as he gets his bob on. <laughs> Not to worry. I, I, it's actually somewhat what I wanted. I, I, you know. Oh, I, don't worry. I, I, I'm. You, you said I want ambient noise, not a complete, total meltdown and chaos. <laughs> what? Did you get your bottle? Thank you. Oh, look at you. Okay, ready? Mama's going to read part of her book. I'm positive that there are Odell's at every stage of motherhood. Odell's have short labors and wear their skinny jeans home from the hospital. And Odell's produce massive quantities of breast milk with no trouble and love every second of it. Odell's have their moms come stay for weeks to help with the baby because Odell's only trust family and Odell's just adore theirs. Odell's teach their babies sign language and institute consistent and effective nap time routines. Odell's make the best snacks as carpool mom help tutor their valedictorians in high school. Pack them up for college with a set of matching footlockers in the appropriate collegiate colors and decorate their dorm rooms with both a plum and tasteful restraint. Odell's try not to brag about their children in medical school or modeling in Milan, but what can they do? That's just where their kids are. Odell's get big bouquets on Mother's Day no matter where their children are in the world because they love their mommy, but not in an overly attached, unhealthy, neurotic way. Odell's plan their daughter's weddings without incident and sit in the front row weeping with happiness as they did back in the day when they had that first bout of postpartum elation. Odell's spoil their grandchildren, though no one can believe Odell's are actually old enough to have grandkids. Odell's are the subject of my hero essays written by their great-grandchildren. When Odell's age, they let their hair go tastefully gray, but are never ever without manicured fingernails painted a dusty rose. In the old folks' home, they always have more visitors than you, a steady stream who always seem to be singing. When Odell's pass quietly and peacefully in their sleep after enjoying 60-year marriages, their funerals are packed and the service is moving. They will have a much sunnier and more expensive resting place than you will. There will always be more flowers on their graves. It's going to be a long lifetime as a mother if I spend it feeling inferior. So I might as well get a jump on it and start now. 
Teresa Strasser is an Emmy Award-winning television writer and Emmy-nominated television host for While You Were Out. She's a co-host of Adam Carolla's podcast. She's written for the LA Times and the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles. Her new book is Exploiting My Baby Because It's Exploiting Me. Thank you for joining me, Teresa. Thank you so much. Uh, Teresa, you began this book as a blog and it really as just a flat-out cash grab Got to get a book deal. <laughs> I joke about that. But the truth is, I've been a newspaper writer since I was 19. So 10, okay, 20 years. And um, I've just always written about the things that were going on in my life. So when I was dating, I wrote about dating. You know, when I moved here to the ghetto, um, I, I hope you don't need all four of your tires to leave here. I wrote about that. I mean, there's nothing in my life that wasn't material. And so when I got pregnant, I had a million things to say about it. I never, that is dada. But I was worried, you know, how is this going to come across? I have a million things to say about this experience, which of course is totally unique. I'm the only human female to reproduce. I don't know if you know that. Um, I, but I was worried how it would come across. I thought, what if people think I'm exploiting my baby, even though I've exploited, you know, everything I've written about, I guess, technically. Um, so worried people would think that I was exploiting my baby. I went and searched for the domain name, exploiting my baby, and it turns out it was available. So 10 bucks later, I looked that boogeyman right in the face, and I just decided to call my blog Exploiting My Baby. Now, now that's mama. <laughs> One of the things I like is you describe the continuum of books that have been available from what you call uh, unicorn yakkers to clinical descriptions. Yeah, that's, that is really why I wrote this book because in the world of pregnancy books, there's really those two types. There's your what to expect when you're expecting. And I needed like that or there's the syrupy Nancy O'Dell book and I needed what to expect when you're expecting to fail. Okay. Because that's really every day was a constant. Like, I don't know what mothers did before Google, but I spent a lot of time just simply Googling things that could go wrong. And in fact, one of the chapters in Exploiting My Baby, I just printed my actual Google history, but I had to pare it down because it would have been Dr. Zhivago. Because all I did was, you know, Google things I was afraid of happening to my fetus. Well, one of the things that, that I think is really interesting in this book is just your prose style. The prose is really you, and it's kind of raw. And I'm wondering, talk about creating just the prose style going into the book and uh, translating your blog, because there are some stuff that's clearly straight-out blog entries in here, and going back and forth between the stuff you created specifically for the book and the stuff you created for the blog. Well, I'm so ass-backwards because I'm an actual, a newspaper writer who had to become a blogger to get a book deal. So I, you know, I come from, remember newspapers, things you'd hold in your hand, get oh. ink on your Hey, I fingers, got one every day. Right, those things. So I started like writing obituaries and stuff like that. And as I said, when I was very young. Um, and so I come from that, that tight style where you have to write 600, 800, maybe 1,000 words. Maybe if you're lucky and you get a feature story, maybe 2,000, 2,500. And I, but when I started blogging, I thought two things. One, I can fucking curse. <laughs> and two, I can write as long as I want. Everything I was ever taught about writing was, you know, about brevity and discipline and keeping it tight, and putting the important stuff up top. And in a blog, you can sort of, you know, rearrange that. Um, but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the chapters started out as blogs, and then you know they were fattened up and became chapters. And some things I didn't write because I didn't write my entire first trimester because I was uh, very superstitious. And you know you're not supposed to tell anybody that you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I didn't write anything that first three months. So all of the stuff about the first trimester was you know I had to do from memory. When I wrote and I wrote a lot of it when he was just an infant. So I'd go to the library, 
and, you know, write for four hours and I was still nursing, so I would use the breast pump in the car with the car charger. It was all very glamorous. <laughs> I was very J.K. Rowling. You know, she struggled in a coffee shop, and I had to be at the library with the breast pump. Now, one of the things that you talk about is how babies are transformative and how we had a lot of uh, – we have a long history of infatuation with celebrity babies, and I didn't even realize this because I was a little kid when I was watching uh, – I love Lucy. Remember that? I mean, I wasn't around, but I did a lot of research for the book. When little Ricky was born, basically this country shut down. I mean, I think it completely overshadowed the inauguration of must have been Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. And something like 70% of televisions that were on that night were watching Lucy because we all knew Lucy. And just something about seeing her pregnant, which, by the way, you couldn't even say then. You had to say expecting. And seeing her, you know, the ba it just everything shut down and now you know it's the Duggars and it's John and Kate plus eight and you know it's anything on TLC unless it's about little people or <laughs> chocolatiers or little chocolatiers now uh, one of the things you talk about is you have you know this kind of the myth of the mother mothers have superhuman strength mothers know everything oh it's the best PR move you can do to have a kid I mean mm -hmm. obviously that's not why you do it because it's so incredibly incredibly hard which I know you know as a father but we have all these associations with mothers right like so today JLo's in the news because she's going to be a new host on American Idol and she has twins and she put her twins in the Scoochie ad now think of your perception of JLo before she had kids Oh, she was um, demanding. She was a diva. Maybe she wasn't that talented. Suddenly you go, wait a second. She has, I hope you don't mind the chicken song because Nathaniel's decided to press the button on his chicken toy. <laughs> That's ambient. Okay. So now that she has twins, you think you just see her as a more nurturing, sweet, warm person because we associate these qualities with mothers. Whether they have them or not, we don't know. But as soon as a celebrity have, has kids, I notice that I like them more. And you... Uh Motherhood might have helped you get a slot on The View you talk about. Yeah. Well, I auditioned for The View back in the day, <laughs> and they basically said, you're going to have to have a kid because our viewers are stay-at-home moms. Is there any chance that you are going to, in the next season, be pregnant? And at the time, I didn't even have a boyfriend. So uh, I thought, wow, this is sad. My, you know, my lack of ability to reproduce on the spot is going to cost me my dream job. And sure enough, they hired Elizabeth Hasselbeck. She got pregnant the very, you know, right away, and now she's three kids in. And she, it is interesting because every time you turn on the View, there's Hasselbeck pregnant. <laughs> now, uh, and you, always giving birth to awful ideas. Uh, Excuse me, as I editorialize in her politics. <laughs> now, one of the things that that, uh, but I'm just jealous, very jealous. You're not jealous. I am. You're just uh, am. differently talented. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that on Nathaniel. Now, one of the things that, that uh, I liked was your story of trying to get pregnant. You were, you know, worried. You're, you started at the age of 38. Which, yeah. By the way, I would suggest you look like about 10 years old. Oh, God bless you. Uh, um, but uh, you didn't really buy any of this good vibe stuff, did you? Well, I think there's new age guilt, right? So there's this thing called the secret, and there are a lot of similar theories. Um that posit, if you think good thoughts, you're going to manifest good things in your life. And um, conversely, if you think negative thoughts, you're going to make bad things happen with your brain. Well, this is awful for someone like me because, I mean, negative scenarios, you know, running is my hobby. I mean, I just, you know, particularly before I had the baby. So when we were trying to get pregnant, I really was positive 
that I was not going to conceive. I saved up money for fertility treatments. I interviewed all of everyone I knew about fertility doctors. I had a list of names and I was 100% sure that because I was 38 and I had a little rocky STD history, which I cover in my book. It's awesome that my mom's in the next room watching the baby with my husband. But they both know, whatever. Um, I, there was every reason for me not to get pregnant. And then people would tell me, don't think that way because you're going to make yourself not get pregnant. And was, it's not enough that my head is filled with fear and neuroses. Now I feel guilty about my fear and neuroses and think that my head is going to cause my uterus to not get pregnant. And this is what I want to say to the people who believe in the secret. God bless you if it's working for you. But I am a statistical sampling of one and I have uh, single-handedly disproven it because I did nothing but be sure, positive, that would not, I would not get pregnant, and I got pregnant right away. Well, you know, one of the things that about this whole secret— And I'm old. Did I mention? <laughs> you know, one of the things about the secret thing, it's, it's kind of like telling somebody not to think about elephants. Yes. You t- don't think about bad things. Oh, my God. It's even worse, because if you think about an elephant right now, yeah. the elephant's going to die. That's what it's like. How dare you do that to me? I killed an elephant. Yeah. I'm very sorry. A baby elephant. Some, I'm, I'm, I hope you're happy. I, Little Dumbo died because you had a negative thought. I'm glad, actually. Now, <laughs> uh, so you you also trying to get pregnant is, is maybe not as fun as it sounds. Then. Oh, my gosh. To anybody who's been there. I mean, it. For, I was very lucky, and it only took me a couple months. But for those two months, you know, it's like – you have to have a lot of unfun, very clinical sex, and it can be a drag because you're all worried about, the, you know, is that the proper time of the month? Then you get these sticks that you pee on, and I, I gave up on that after a couple of weeks and just decided, forget that. That's not fun, and I don't want to be like a character in a bad Meg Ryan romantic comedy. It's no. like running home and saying, oh, my God, today's the day. I just can't do it. You, but you did eventually realize you were pregnant, and it wasn't a stick that told you that. It was your husband. Yeah. Your Daniel was the man. He figured this out long before you did. He knew. It, I wasn't. My period wasn't late. I know, I, I'm sorry. I don't have personal boundaries. But um, I he knew before there was any reason to know, and he went to the store and bought the test and just said, I just know because I'm, I'm a vegetarian and I really almost, you know, never, never eat fish. And about five meals in a row, I was like, I kind of have salmon. And then I had it for dinner, and then I had the leftover for breakfast, and then I had it for lunch. And I said, can we go back to that same place and get salmon? And about five meals in a row of salmon, my husband knew something was fishy, if you'll pardon the bad pun. Now, uh, once, you, once you were pregnant, um, you kind of had to start thinking about what a child would be because of, you know, your, um, you talk in, the, in this book about your mother and, and – What? Well, this is really an interesting thing. Okay. Now, when you're pregnant, of course, you have physical symptoms and Mm -hmm. you're dealing with that. But you also have to ask yourself, what, how is this transition going to go? My identity is going to completely change. And, you know, now my mom lives around the corner. She comes over every single morning and helps the baby. While I was pregnant, I wasn't even talking to my mom. Mm -hmm. We had a very challenging relationship. And I was really terrified because my relationship with my own mom before I had a baby was so tough. And I thought, what if I'm not going to bond with a kid? What if I'm not going to be a good mom? And the funny thing about all that worrying, I remember sitting in my therapist's office and just sobbing five months pregnant. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if I don't bond with the baby? And she said, the fact that you're sitting here this worried, you've already bonded. And that's the opposite of the secret because that's somebody telling you that your worry is actually good. You know, greed is good. Mm -hmm. The Gordon Gecko thing. Maybe, you know, worry is good. 
Maybe guilt is good. Well, that's a, a, a fine uh, tradition, a Jewish ethnic tradition. <laughs> yes, that you're carrying that's true. on into the 20th century. When am I going to reject <laughs> 3,000 years of pain and suffering? I've got to embrace it. Now, you, you uh, talk about uh, the the state that you called pregatory, which I yeah. really, what a great word. Is that, did you Thank you, that? I did. Oh my God. Well, that, let's send that to word of the year. That's Thank you. It's like a sniglet. <laughs> and it's funny because everyone who's ever been pregnant gets that. Because oh. that first 12 weeks, mm-hmm. you're con- you're pregnant, but you kind of are, but you kind of not, but you can't tell people. So, so, like, you're drinking the non-alcoholic, you know, drink, and you're having tea instead of coffee, and you're nauseous, and your boobs hurt, and you're bloated, but you don't really look pregnant. And I don't know if this is just an American thing. My, my sister-in-law is Argentinian. She told the world when she was three days pregnant, so I don't think this is everywhere, but at least here in our culture... Because so many people miscarry around week eight, nine, ten, you don't tell, so you're caught in another world. Because all you want to do is tell every single human being. You want to walk down the street and go, "Hey, sir, what's your name? I don't care. I'm pregnant." You know what I mean? <laughs> you just want to go in the parking lot and go, "Yeah, um, so if you can just, I'll be back in an hour. I'm pregnant." To the dry cleaner, here's my shirts. I need them back on Thursday. I'm pregnant. It's all you want to do, but you can't. Now, uh, one of the things you talk about, too, and I never heard about this, is availability bias. And that's yes. such an interesting concept. Yeah, I got really fascinated by it. And it sort of helped me to stop worrying about certain things because I noticed all I'm doing is thinking about the – sorry, someone's phone. All I'm doing is thinking about um, – that's my mom's phone. You know old people and their cell phones. <laughs> that can't be – no one had to work their phones. Um, no, she did it, though. God bless her. But look, isn't that cute? My mom and my baby. Um, sorry. Where was I? Uh, you're talking about available. Mommy brain. Oh, yeah. So when something is particularly sexy or emotional, your mind attaches to it, and thus that image becomes more available, and you can develop a bias towards that image. So if I hear a story, which I did when I was pregnant, about a woman who had a miscarriage six months in, and... I think she might have had to somehow give birth to the dead fetus. And it was the, the story was so um, emotionally charged that it, it was that suddenly in my mind, mathematically speaking, 50% of people must have miscarriages in month six because, you know, that's why we think there are so many abducted children because the stories, you get availability bias. A kid drowning, that happens all the time. You don't think about it. It doesn't become available in your mind. So you have a bias towards, oh, kids must get abducted a lot. But they actually don't. But they do drown. Well, one of the Just things- to give you something to worry about if you have a pool. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't. Now, you say that miscarrying fears just haunted you. Oh, this my, until the second the baby came out. So talk about that and talk about how how you dealt with it and how you made uh, and how you dealt with it as a family too. Well, I now I, I, I it's something I never could have understood before, but I really feel for people who have gone through that and it's incredibly common because you do get attached to this fetus. I mean, I felt that I, the second I knew I was pregnant, I felt attached to it and then, you know, a little. And then by month 4, 5, 6, it really would have been a, a real death, a real loss. And I was terrified of it, terrified. Especially being older, I thought, oh, after you miscarry, you have to wait a certain amount to try again. What if it doesn't work? And I just became obsessed with this fear. And, you know, I've talked to people. I interviewed Molly Ringwald, um, actually, and she had a miscarriage very, very late. 
And it was just a horrific experience. And you just, you don't know why. Was it your fault? And you're dealing with a weird kind of confusion because you might not understand why it happened and guilt because you might blame yourself and loss and grief. And um, I just, I knew how terrible it would be. And I was haunted by the prospect of it. Now, you also found yourself having to give up all the toxins. You oh, that was up. terrible. Oh, my gosh. Hi, buddy. <laughs> what? Do you have Do you have grandma's phone? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I wasn't like a big boozer or pill popper, but I enjoyed the occasional Xanax. I am a Jew, and I liked a, what, a cigarette now and again and a glass of wine and an Ambien. And who am I kidding? A Klonopin once in a while. What's a Klonopin? I've never heard What's of What's a Klonopin? Boy, you haven't lived. It's a very, Nathaniel's moving mommy's mic. It's a, you know, it's just an anti-anxiety. But it takes, I would take it as needed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which was a lot. But I would say, you know, but I wasn't, Nathaniel. Mama's going to talk right into the mic. You're so handsome, buddy. Have I told you that? Do you have grandma's cell phone? Sorry, mild distraction. That's one of the hardest things you don't realize. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, any kind of drugs and alcohol. It's. Your retin-A, it's your hair dye, it's your... Yeah, um, I was amazed at that, that the retin-A and hair dye and your tanner and... and oh, everything that could make you happy or pretty is over. Mm-hmm. And this is something everybody is supposed to give up, but uh, it's easy to maybe slip and slide on that slope, isn't it? You know, it is, and that's where Googling really keeps you in line and where guilt is good um, because... I remember thinking, I just want one Mystic Tan. I just got, I just, I am so bloated and pale and it's LA and it's summer and I look terrible and I'm veiny. I just want to self-tan. How bad can it be? And some people say it's okay. But I Googled it and I somehow I came up with the phrase floppy baby syndrome. And I thought, you know what? I'll be pale. I don't know what it is and I don't want to know what it is. You know, that brings up something that I thought was really interesting about this book is there's a whole new vocabulary of babies and children and pregnancy and clothes and devices i mean this is like a, a you have you once you enter this world you're learning your vocabulary is going to expand by about 2000 words that you're exactly right i mean i did not know what a nasal aspirator was or a crib bumper or layette i couldn't tell you the difference between balmex desitin butt paste triple cream triple paste and aquaphor and unfortunately now i can <laughs> what is a layette Okay, that one I still don't know, but I think it has something to do with the bedding. But I do know a nasal aspirator because, by the way, there's a one now where you – because you, they can't blow their nose, so you have to suction oh, the yeah. boogers right out. Yeah, yeah, that's what we had to do. It's just such a delight. Oh, it's – the one we have, which is the one, you know, mm-hmm. that you, you learn. You, mm-hmm. Word gets it's around. Like bulb? No, the bulb is a sham. It does not work at all. There's one now where you actually suction it with your mouth, oh and there's a stopper. Oh no, there, I know it sounds gross. There's a stopper, so it, in no way – my husband operates it. In no way does that go between you and the thing, a replaceable stopper. Mm. But you use your own breath, and it actually works. I just disgusted everyone. This is the type of conversation that I swore I would never have. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of conversation I exactly hope that <laughs> now, uh, It's a good thing I was pretty boring before, so I didn't have far to fall. Now, you, in this book, periodically, you give us chapters about people you want to punch. Yeah, hard, and, I had some rage. I had some pregnant rage. I guess so. So um, the first uh, the first example are the bummer ladies. Yeah. Who are the bummer ladies? Well, there was one in particular. I remember I was working on a show on cable TV, or I should say deep cable, and I was sitting in makeup, 
And she just came in. She popped in and she goes, how you doing? And I go, great. She just had a baby and she goes, well, I hope you enjoy time with your husband now because you'll never see each other once the baby is born ever again. Have a great show. And I just thought, you know, really? Do you have to bum me out? Because, like, this is pretty much no backseas. It's not like you're telling me something about something. You know, it's not like I'm going to be unpregnant tomorrow. So do you have to bum me out? And the truth is, it is a lot of the things people bum you out about will come to pass. But don't bum out a pregnant girl. Sure, your life's ruined. And you'll, you might not see your husband. Buddy. And you're going to have, like, giant plastic balls all over your house and talk about nasal aspirators. But why not let a person enjoy their ignorance while they're pregnant? Uh, one thing you don't want to be ignorant about are the results of the CVS genetic test. And that's something that it's one of these things that's new. I don't think we had that. It's one. very new. Yeah. yeah. It's and a, it's, it's like the amniocentesis only. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit. That's what um, we had is amniocentesis. Right. And now they, um, recommend CVS if you're over 35 or if you have any, um, genetic, uh, predisposition toward genetic disorders, which I tested positive for. Cystic fibrosis and Tay-Sachs. Mm-hmm. So I was really nervous. My husband didn't. So there was really exactly zero chance of my kid having those things. But somehow in my mind, I, you know. Well, of course. You just you want to you want to mm-hmm. – it's when you're pregnant, you're, you turn the worry button up to 11. Exactly. And, you know, I just did my own probability math and I made something impossible possible. <laughs> um, so the CVS test, I think you get around 11, 12 weeks. And um, they, t- they check every single chromosome. And it's very, very scary because they actually go in and take cells from your placenta, and it's a very scary procedure. Now, but you came back with, uh, after much anxiety, after being sold this test as if it were a used car, you you came back with flying colors. Yeah, they did say. It was like, what's it going to take to get you into this CVS? Because we didn't know if we were going to do it. It carries a small amount of risk. Mm -hmm. And we thought, gosh, I mean, everything seems fine. I'm having a healthy pregnancy. What What do we do? If this causes the baby to miscarry, I'll never forgive myself. And it was just back and forth, back and forth. And I was up all night the night before. And I finally just decided that, the you know, just having that kind of certainty would really help with the anxiety, which it, it, it didn't. Well, God knows how much worse it would have been. <laughs> now, uh, during all this time, you're blogging about this, right? Pretty yeah. Much. I, and... You know, you're you're used to talking about your personal life. You talked about, you know, your breakups and your boyfriends on the radio. And you announced that you were pregnant on the radio just yeah. before your show went off the air. Um, so I'd like you to just talk about writing for the Internet where, A, they're not paying you to do this. Oh, my gosh. B, I know. It's like being to- a bricklayer. And then one day they go, now you're doing this for free. And you're, and all of a sudden, also, you're probably paying for your website, and you're exposing the most personal secrets of your body and your 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 relationship with your husband and this lovely child in here who's serenading us. Come oh, here, buddy. There you he want is. mama? You want mama? You want dinner? <laughs> you're gonna give him. To, you want to give him one of the um, pancakes with the spinach? Sorry, I probably don't have much longer before he uh, melts down. But um, oh, we won't notice um, the meltdown. I can trust me. Now, I gotta make his make him his dinner. Now, um, so talk about exposing, you know, your personal life. Yeah, on the radio. I sort of feel like it's a risk worth taking if mm-hmm. I say something, and I know it's so wrenchingly, embarrassingly true that some woman is gonna see it and go, "I feel exactly that." Then. It's worth doing. And the thing about blogging is that the feedback was so immediate. I would post something and get 50, 60 comments. And I never really had that relationship with readers before. 
and it was kind of exhilarating. That sounds nice. Now, it, did you? Was it ever scary? Yeah, I was really scared writing about. Um, well, when I first found out I was having a boy, it was something I had to process, uh-huh. and it took me a while because in my mind, I just mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought I was having a girl, and I, you know, by the time he was born, I couldn't have been happier, and he was so perfect to me the second I saw him and I'm thrilled and if I had five boys I'd be happy but I just had to process it and that was something I didn't write about until I had worked through it what's this because I didn't want him to read it later and go you wanted a girl oh my gosh you want this you want ice cream for dinner this is by the way this is not me giving him ice cream for dinner you want this no that's you want to try it? It's a spinach pancake there. Oh, there you go. Oh, my gosh. That's a very old one. You don't, you don't want that? I think he just wants mommy. He just wants mommy. Okay, now, bud. You, Sorry. You, Mama's almost done. <laughs> you're, you, one of the books that you read that did not make you happy was one by a former Miss Oklahoma, is, uh, I think so, someone, uh, Nancy O'Dell. Tell us about Nancy O'Dell's book and your unfortunate reaction to it. Well, I had to throw it across the room. First of all, it's called Full of Life. I'll just let that sit with you for a moment. I hope you're not pregnant because you're probably getting nauseous. And um, she just had a delightful pregnancy. The worst thing that happened to her was... Um, I think her hair was too lustrous and her skin was too glowing. And then after she had the baby, she was so euphoric that she was crying. And um, her husband said, babe, what's wrong? And she said, I'm having postpartum elation. And and also her... What, buddy? Hi, love. You want this? Okay. You want this? You didn't like Nancy O'Dell's book? You want to play with this? You have a cough? You want this? Oh, what's that? Is that a Dora Popsicle? You want this one? But this one's the same as this one. Oh, honey. Okay, honey. All right, honey. All right. I think you just. I think I gotta. I think I just gotta hang out with you for a second. Huh? What? Popsicle. 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 What's this? You want me to open it? Want me to open it? It's green. Wanna taste it? that good? That's delicious. I'm going to wipe your nose with my hand. That's delicious. Is that good? I think he's getting some teeth, so the popsicle probably feels good on his gums. Yeah. That's how I justify giving him a popsicle. <laughs> if it, he's Pretend it's organic. That. If I was Nancy O'Dell, because she's a perfect person, a perfect mom, and I'm just jealous of her, this would be an all-organic popsicle that I handmade out of fruit that I grew in my garden. But instead, it's a Dora the Explorer popsicle filled with chemicals. Hey, that is a happy boy right now. <laughs> I think he's just happy because he's hanging out with us. But yeah, she um, I got very jealous of her because her pregnancy was a was delightful, and there was a lot. There was chapters on how to laminate your ultrasound photos and pick out um, nursery curtains, and that's just bullshit. That's not the kind of thing that you really worry about when you're pregnant. And I thought, Don't fucking lie to people with you with your ghostwriter. Now I'm just jealous. And by the way, to mention she like has her own show on Oprah, and I'm even more jealous. I mean, on Oprah's new network, and I think she's taking over Entertainment Tonight. So she doesn't need me to like her or buy her book, and I'm very jealous. Now, and I'm sorry, Nancy O'Dell, for all the bad things I said. 
you have a, a number of lists in this book. This is a famous uh, kind of writer's technique. That is a happy boy. Look at him. He's got Maybe he likes you. Popsicle. They love you. They love you. What happened? You were just so happy. You just turned on a dime. One more. One more. No. Yes or no? Yes? You want to handle it yourself. This is an interesting thing. He likes to be in control of his destiny. See? Look at that. I handle my own popsicle. Okay, if we just ignore him, maybe he won't know that he's being good, and then he won't stop being good. Now, you have a whole uh, couple of chapters on choosing a name. And, and, you know, it interests me because you originally wanted to call your girl Harper. Yeah, I love and, that and name. Harper's a, a male name, too. I thought about that, but, I mean, if you're going to be my child, you're hardly going to be saddled with enough baggage. You don't need a weird name. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be hard enough in this life. I mean, listen, I'm a Jew named Teresa, so trust me. Sometimes you just want a name that people know how to spell it, say it, and you can just fit in with your peers. Instead of me being at Hebrew school named Teresa. And the ch name you chose was? Nathaniel. My husband chose it, actually. He, I, I, A fan of the writer, Nathaniel Hawthorne? That's why I, that was my... That would have been a good guess. <laughs> Scarlet Letter is a great book. It is. House of Seven Gables. That's probably better, but no one's read it. Um... <laughs> No, we were, he was already maybe three or four days old, and they kept coming into the hospital going, okay, here's a birth certificate. We need a name. We need a name. We need a name. My dad tutors kids, and my dad tends to ramble. I, I wonder if I, got, if I got it from him. He was rambling on and on about some kid and that he tutors, and he said, and then I told Nathaniel, and my husband heard it, and he goes, wait, wait, wait. Nathaniel, is that on our list? Have we thought about that? Do we like that? And I think we wanted to make sure it wasn't in the top 50s. We didn't want something too common. And all of a sudden, we went, yeah, and my husband, you know, he doesn't say much, but when he when he makes a decisive move, you don't mess with him. He goes, yeah, that's the name. Now, um, you also have uh, a lot of uh, talk uh, about, um, I, and I love this, that the chapter babies are ripping us off. There are so many more products out there. I mean, my kids, I had mine 20 years ago. I was overwhelmed then. It's just staggering what you talk about now. And... and Particularly, you had talk about a little bit about car seat anguish. Oh my gosh! Well, I thought one day when I was pregnant, I thought all I'm going to do today—how <laughs> cute is that little baby sigh? I thought, oh, what do you what's that? An airplane? He's pointing up at the sky. Airplane? Bird? Is that a bird? I'm sorry, but how cute is a 16-month-old pointing? Like he can kind of can't quite do it. He's got it. Is that a was that a bird or an airplane? It's Superman. Superman. Um. Yeah, you think, oh, I'm just going to go online and order a car seat. Well, there are 20,000 kinds of car seats. And all of a sudden, three hours later, I'm just lost in a sea of brands. And what's the best? And parents reviewing car seats is like one of the most nightmarish things you could ever read. I imagine so. Parents reviewing products are very opinionated. Oh. And it's confusing. And I just thought, car seat, I'll just pick a good one. You know, there's probably three kinds. There, It's an endless amount. And then I just was in a heap crying. And uh, I just did not end up buying a car seat that day. You want more? Now, you know what's that. interesting to me, and this I can tell you that it wasn't this way when I bought a car seat. You had to go to, you went to the fire department to get it strapped yeah. in and stuff. Is that you you have to, um, you can't leave the hospital without the car seat because you have to drive the baby home. Mm -hmm. So eventually what I did was, and I recommend this to all mothers-to-be, you get a pregnant friend who's a few months ahead of you, and then she get make pick a smart one. 
and then just do everything she does. So why should I reinvent the wheel? I just bought the kind of car seat my friend Cassandra bought, mm-hmm. and I did everything she did, and then I didn't have to because I knew I couldn't w- wander into shark-infested car seat waters. I knew I just had to go, okay, you get the bride tax, and then I was done with it. And, yeah, we it, they're very hard to install. Now, this is something, too, that this the solution to this dilemma um, – goes to uh, something, another one of your list of people you wanted to punch, which was the people who wouldn't just tell that's you That's not Dada. That's somebody's dad. Oh, you're pointing at Grandma. Yeah, I wanted to punch people because I hate when pe- when you have a quandary and people go, yeah, that's just one of those things. You have to decide what's best for you. I was like, just tell me which one to buy. I don't really have to decide what's best for you. Can you just tell me which exactly crib to buy? Don't tell me that I need to know what's best for me and it depends. Just tell me which one to buy. That's all I needed. Well, and the, here's another thing that's new is is breastfeeding classes. God, yeah, I never knew that. I'm he. I Daniel, Daniel was there. You have my many sympathies. That that was one of the many. I've been to a lot even since the baby. I mean, actually, I'm just telling you this now. He's joking. There was, believe me, there was about ten dads in there. There was many dads that there were moms. Sandwich lock. I never. What the hell is sandwich lock? Uh, a latch. There was a guy who fell asleep, and she nailed him. That teacher, oh. that was not her first day at the Tired Husband Rodeo. She said, sir, sir, how long does a baby, uh, how often do you nurse a baby? And he, like, comes to, and he doesn't know where he is. And he has to, like, process that he's in a breastfeeding class at the pump station. <laughs> well, I can say that uh, when I when I went to one of the first ultrasounds, they told, we did the ultrasound, and we saw the baby. And then the doctor started reeling off all the things that could go wrong. It just and there's just so many things that could go wrong, and I just said about halfway through that list, I said I'm gonna go get a drink of water, <laughs> and I walked out into the hallway, and I was walking down the hallway, and then I was looking at the underneath the water where the water fountain was, and I was laying on the floor. I'm thinking, well, how did that happen? And I just like was so terrified by all the things that happened. I literally passed. You out. had an out of body. Yeah, oh, you a, passed out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You want so more? I'm always now. now. I, I really relate to that a lot because it's terrifying. And I don't know why more dads don't pass out. Now, I, I'd like you to talk about. Um, want another popsicle, buddy? You say more? More? What? What? Nate, what? Buster. You going to see Grandma? I can't believe I'm giving my child two door popsicles for dinner. <laughs> That's perfectly allowable. This is Trust me, he'll grow here. up to be a happy, here, healthy boy. Come sit with Mama. That was so cute when you were sitting like a little mister eating your popsicle. Yeah. For, for oh, it's re- orange. Ex- explain to me why in your third trimester you decided to go to Las Vegas. Well, there's this new concept of a baby moon. It's like a honeymoon you take before the baby. And I don't know, I just had... A psychotic break where I thought, like, somehow I'm going to go to Vegas and have a good time, seven months pregnant, and, and, you know, what can you do in Vegas? And, by the way, everyone looks really thin when you're pregnant, and you're in your moo-moo, and there's all these strippers out to here, and you're out to here. That was a visual, which is great for radio, but you get the idea. Uh, Teresa, talk about... uh Once you've had your your baby, you're now working two jobs. Talk about that uh, experience and how that... uh, how the baby helps you and how you, uh, how the baby helps your jobs. Hi, but <laughs> you just throw your popsicle stick. Well, I used to worry a lot about every single thing I 
said, which is hard when you work in a talking medium <laughs> or writing medium. You don't eat the mic. You don't chew on the mic, honey. That's very no, bad. It's not good, good technique. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, now that I'm taking care of a, you know, human creature that requires a lot of, you know, I just, I don't worry so much if people like me or if I'm talented or if I'm doing a good job or if I'm boring or stupid or if I screwed up. I'm sure I'm all of those things sometimes. But before I had a baby, I had a lot more time to ponder, you know, how I was doing and what jobs were I was going to get and if people were going to hire me and was I making the most of my, you know, career, blah, 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 blah. And now I don't really have a quiet moment. Paradoxically, that's the best and the worst thing about being a working mom. Um, when I have a quiet moment, I'm thinking about Desitin or, you know, what baby brain book I should buy or, you know, when I'm going to pick him up from daycare. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about myself anymore. And that is a real relief because, trust me, it was not that interesting. Now, you say babies are transformative in the beginning of the book, and in the end, you are transformed. You've embraced many of the things you thought you would never uh, have in your house, and I've seen many of them right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm never going to be one of those houses with toys all over. Does it not look like a Chuck E. Cheese exploded in my house? Yeah, it does. It does? Yeah. I mean, it's bad. It's It's worse than you could possibly have imagined. No, I had two boys. Okay, all right. So you were, But, you know... I made a lot of proclamations about the things I would and wouldn't be and do, and they were all out the window. I remember saying, I'm never going to be one of those people that has a kid, and then, you know, they leave the house with spit up, and they on them, and they don't wash their hair, and they let their hygiene go, because I'm vain, and I'm never going to be that person. And then cut to me at the pediatrician's office with him when he was like three weeks old, and I looked down, and I realized, I am wearing my slippers. But it's not a conscious choice. I didn't decide... I'm cool with wearing slippers. I just didn't even notice. And so there I was. Well, I, I In want... my own filth. I'm sure I had not bathed. <laughs> well, one of the things I like about this book is how frank you are. And the, the prose, too, is very polished. You have a great uh, prose writing style. Thank you. How much of this is, like, rewritten and how much of this is raw? Um, and is it fun trying to, to create this prose? In an environment that must be like this? <laughs> it did change my style quite a bit, I must say. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years, and I feel like uh, my voice as a writer is very conversational, and mm-hmm. that's just kind of how I learned to do it. Um, and like I said, the only question I really ask myself, if a, something, if a sentence doesn't sound right to me, I generally go back to the same question, which is how can this be more true? And that fixes it almost always. That's, I think, what this book has more than anything else, which is the ring of truth. That's all I have, really, to offer as a writer. I mean, I thank you for what you said about my prose, and I appreciate that. Um, but a lot of people can turn a phrase. I feel like I'm willing to uh, to say what it's really like. And when it comes especially to pregnancy and motherhood, there's such a sacred vibe around that that I don't think there are a lot of books like mine. Uh, because you're not really a lot, you're so lucky to be pregnant that you can't talk about anything negative and anything scary um, without people going, well, you should just be lucky you're pregnant. Um, you should just be happy and you should, you're blessed. So, um, you know, thanks because I, I think about the books I've read that have mattered to me and that have been transformative to me and they were all ones where you went, wow. Some people were pissed off when they read this, Joan Didion, Mary Carr. But thank you. Uh, and one of the things that I think you, you had, there's a certain uh, uh, amount of uh, uh, 
honesty in this book and, and rawness. And, and I think that's what makes it uh, more powerful. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. Yeah, that's, um, that's definitely what I went for. It's raw. It's raw, all right. Watch out. You make it salmonella poisoning. It's that raw. <laughs> I've been speaking with Teresa Strasser. Her new book is Exploiting My Baby Because It's Exploiting Me. Thank you for joining me, Teresa, and your husband and your <laughs> mother and your wonderful child, Nathaniel, a.k.a. Buster. Thank you so much, and thank you for helping me exploit him. <laughs> You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.